Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Oh, wow. Good evening. Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. How was your day? All right. Middle of the week, hump day. For some of you, it's probably been a good week. Some of you, it's maybe been a long week already. But we just want to talk tonight. We want to see what God has to share with us. Worship has really set up the word tonight. I got to tell you that I love, I know sometimes I'm standing like this and you guys see me turning around looking at you. You're probably wondering, what's he doing? How come he's not staring up there worshiping? I gain so much energy just turning around and watching you guys worship. It's so cool just to, you know, to, to watch you worship. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, I'll wander in the back and hang out with the ushers just so I can watch people worship. It is so electric when God's presence is here and people are, are just worshiping corporately. So I'd like for just to open in prayer tonight. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we just ask right now that you would center our hearts and our minds on you. We want to release all the, all the stuff that's been pulling on us all day so that we can concentrate on you. Holy Spirit, speak to me and through me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so let me give you a little bit of background tonight. Jesus went to the River Jordan to be baptized. He was baptized. Most of you know that story. Uh, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. We heard, he heard the voice of God. All those around say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he starts out his ministry by engaging with his heavenly father. We kind of do the same thing here. We have a new beginnings class for you. It's on 9 o'clock at the 9 o'clock service every week. It's a one-time class. As Pastor Terry was saying this past week, this is not only for just people that have newly given their life to God. He, he would like for everybody at one time to go back through this new beginnings class. So Jesus kind of starts his new beginnings like that. From there, he goes into the wilderness where he is tempted. And as I was reading this this week, I, I was kind of just praying and, and saying, God, so what was that timeline? Why was the timeline like that? What I heard the Holy Spirit tell me is that just because he was baptized did not make everything go easy for him. And so things got harder, and sometimes that's what happens for us. We make this great commitment for God. Maybe we step out into a new ministry. We rededicate our life to God, and then all of a sudden, things get harder. So what did Jesus do? He didn't quit. He didn't say, why should I do this? He kept going. And he went back to kind of what we would say the, base, the basics are. He went to pray and fast and the word, the three basics that we can do when we are feeling just kind of alone and maybe that we've had this hard week or we're just feeling things are getting harder. I want to encourage you to read your Bible, get in the word, spend time with God, fast over those things that are holding you down. He comes out of, the, out of the wilderness, and he begins to preach. So for you, that may be to begin to tell your story. Um, I was counseling with somebody this week, and um, we were talking about, you know, maybe getting, you know, getting into ministry. What's that mean to get into ministry? And 
the easiest way that I can say that for all of us is it's just telling your story. This is who I was before Christ. This is who I am now. That's all you want to do because to be honest, if you're working or if you're out there, you know, in your circle of friends and family and somebody really doesn't have a church background and you open up your Bible and, you know, a lot of us, how many of you were taught the Roman road? Okay. All right. Yeah. Which is really good. I mean, scripture, scripture is is supposed to be used for that. But if you have somebody that doesn't have any church background, you open, let's open our Bibles to the book of Romans. They're going to be like, okay. But if you tell them, hey, this is what was going on in my life. This is who I was and this is who I am now. So that's what Jesus did. He began his ministry. The next thing he did was to call his disciples. He began to develop community around him. See, even the Son of God knew that he could not complete his mission by himself. He needed a team of people around him so that he could complete the purpose for what he was set on earth to do. He had a plan, he built a team, and he moved forward. Well, that's not the teaching tonight. That's just what God laid on my heart as the beginning today to kind of set this up. As I was just kind of, um, as Pastor Terry has been teaching me to breathe the word in before we speak it out. So we're going to be in Matthew 4.19. We're leading right up to Matthew 4.19. And this is where Jesus begins to call his disciples. Matthew 4.19, and this is out of the CEV version, which is the contemporary English version. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will teach you how to bring people in instead of fish. Follow me, I will teach you how to bring in people instead of fish. The disciples, who we know as the disciples, they were out fishing. What I love about this is that the word says they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. They didn't give it a second thought. They followed Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Who do you follow? That's what I want you to keep in mind. Who do you follow? So today's, in, in today's society, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, blogs, podcasts. Who do you guys follow? Let me hear. Shout it out. Who do you follow? Okay. Who do you follow on Facebook, Instagram? I don't think Jesus got a Facebook. Terry Mahan, that's right, three at three with PT. Don't miss that on Wednesdays. Who else do you guys follow on, 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 on social media? Okay, Carrie Joe, yeah, awesome. So some really cool people to follow on, 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 on social media. For some of us, we may follow like some nationally or internationally known preachers. Okay, um, I don't really have much social media beyond Facebook. I have an Instagram, Snapchat. I rarely get on it. Um, don't have a Twitter, but I like blogs and podcasts. Um, I like Andy Stanley. I like Craig Grishel. Um, these are two preachers that I, that I really, really like a lot. So I kind of listen to um, some blogs and some podcasts from them. Um, some of us, you know, may fa- follow family and friends. I think that's one of the greatest things about social media is the ability to keep up with family and friends that are across the United States and, and, and actually worldwide. Pastor Nita was t- telling us about Saturday morning prayer, and I want to invite you out to Saturday morning prayer. Saturday morning prayer is for everybody. Okay, I know some of you are thinking, I'm not a prayer warrior. I have no idea how to get on my knees and pray from 8 to 9 o'clock. Neither do I. 
okay? My mind would wander from here to there and everywhere. But Pastor Terry and Pastor Anita have devised Saturday morning prayer so that it is comfortable for all of us. We come in, spend a little bit of time. We always check in on Facebook and then say, hey, I'm at Saturday morning prayer. Who can I pray for? Uh, one of our worship team will lead us in a worship song. Um, one of our, our, our pastors or staff persons will lead us in a devotion. And then we break off for about 20 minutes of personal prayer. The prayer cards are up here. This is an awesome time for us to pray for the needs of others. And you can pray however you want. Um, Sometimes on our knees, on our face, sitting in a chair, walking to property. Pastor Anita's praying over every one of them chairs as she's straightening them up on, on, on Saturday for you guys on Sunday so it looks good. But she's praying over those chairs as she's doing that. Brother Paul McDaniel does the same thing. He walks around, he lays hands on every chair. So it's not just this, I don't know how to pray for now. So I want to invite you out to Saturday morning prayer. It is a tremendous time for us to, to be together. And so what's been happening for me in Saturday morning prayer is I've been, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here at Saturday morning prayer. How can I pray for you? I'm getting all these requests from people from Jersey that I grew up with, went to school with, or that were in my dad's church when I was younger. Some of these people I haven't heard from in years. Some of them I'm really not even sure who they were. I got this, this message the other day from um, a guy. I, knew, I recognized the name, but he was in school with my brother, which was a couple years ahead of me. Don't know this guy at all. They're really the only semi-memory I have of him is him and my brother and their friends on my first day in high school. Okay, I'm the goofy freshman. You know, I got the, the books like this. I'm running down the hall because I'm late and I can't find it. And they stick their foot out and I go flying. Trapper keeper goes everywhere. These kids are like, what's a trapper keeper, right? Goes everywhere. And, and so that's the only really semi-memory I have of this guy. But he, he, he hit me up on Facebook, and he said, hey, Tim, he said, I, um, I have some family, a son and daughter-in-law, that have been traveling overseas, and my wife and I have not heard from them in 10 days. Wow. So what God has laid on my heart to do was instead of just saying I'm praying for you, I actually write out a prayer on Facebook. And I did that and did it for a few more people. We, you know, we came back together. We finished prayer. And then that night as I was scrolling back through, because sometimes people hit me up later and I don't want to miss anyone, I saw this answer to prayer. I just wanted to share this with you to encourage you. He's like, amen, God answers prayer. Almost as soon as you hit send, they texted my wife. So it was like amazing. Thank you, God, for that. Because so, so many times we, we pray and we wonder, is it going to work? What's going to happen? Where is that going to go? And that's just another little aside. I, I just wanted to encourage somebody with that tonight. But again, as we follow, as we think, who do we follow? How many of us follow people that we don't know? All right? Famous preachers. Okay, I've heard Andy Stanley preach live been fortunate to do that. I've heard Craig Rochelle preach live. I've never met these guys. I don't know who they are. They don't know who I am. Maybe some of you follow musicians, politicians, athletes, celebrities. We, a lot of us may be following people online that we really don't know who they are. Maybe you follow things. Facebook is all about groups now. Get into this group. Um, I keep seeing pop up on my Facebook, um, like disorganized um, 
garage people. I'm like, that's a group? Disorganized garage? So I don't know. I follow something called Go Ruck, which is a kind of a hiking community. So that's something that I follow online. But Jesus said, follow me. That was his words to us. Follow me. He explains this a little more, what this means in Matthew 16, 24, where he says, if any of you want to be my followers, I want you to keep that word in your mind, my followers, you must forget about yourself, you must take up your cross and follow me. At the basis of this, all Jesus is saying to us is, follow me. Come on with me. I'm on this great journey. I want you to come with me. It's kind of like if you go on a cruise and you go on the, the, whatever ship you go on and it's really great and you have the greatest food and everything, when you come back, you're going to tell your friends who maybe are thinking about, you know, um, Carnival or what's the other one? Royal Caribbean, thank you. You know, which one should I go on? And Brenda and I are actually going on our first cruise this year, so I asked like all these people, and I got as many as I got from one, I got from the other. Go on this one. No, 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 don't go on Royal Caribbean. Oh, no, don't go on Carnival. So, but we come back and we tell our friends. If we've seen a great movie, we come back and we tell our friends. If we go to a great restaurant, we say, hey, follow me or go to this restaurant. That's what Jesus is saying. I've got a great journey for you. I've already taken that journey, and I want you to follow me on that journey. See, I've been kind of mulling this around in my mind, this term Christ follower. And I'm getting to the place where I believe it's almost better to refer to us as Christ followers than Christians. Now hear me out here, okay? I'm not throwing the word Christian out. But think about this for a second. To be a Christian is to be labeled a believer. But the word in our society today is so generic that today almost everybody claims to be Christian. Unless somebody is a true atheist or agnostic, most people you ask, you would say, are you a Christian? They would say, yes. Well, why are you a Christian? Well, I was christened when I was little. I go to church twice a year. Or maybe I go to church often. Or, you know, some sort of answer like that. I believe in God. I'm a good person. I try to keep the Ten Commandments. These are often answers that we'll hear. So this word Christian becomes very, very generic. But to be a Christ follower is much different because we can do more than just claim to be a Christian. As Christ followers, we claim to follow Jesus where he leads us, whatever that path may be. We have a team that has followed Christ to Honduras right now. They heard from Jesus, and they, he said, follow me. Come on, let's go down to Barry and Penny's down here in Honduras. They got some kids down there that need loved on. They got some staff members down there that need cared for. There's a community down there. Follow me. So Jesus led them down there. Right now, we have a team of youth small group leaders and a team of youth that Jesus said, hey, follow me to the panhandle. It's youth camp time, and I want to change your life. Chris is leading them, our student ministry director, and so Jesus is leading them also, and he said, hey, come on, let's go. Got this great journey. Follow me. Sometimes he may lead us into some very difficult places or some very difficult circumstances, because some of you may be thinking right now, you know what, where God's, where I follow Jesus in right now, 
is not quite as bright and shiny as Panama City, and maybe it's not quite as exciting as Honduras. Right now, it's, it's, it's kind of bad. I got some family issues going on. I got some health issues going on. How is that, Jesus? How, why have you led me here? Why am I in the midst of, of, of this shadow that I'm walking through? Why am I in the midst of this difficulty? But see, Jesus says to you tonight, when I say follow me, I'm right there with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm walking through this with you by your side every step of the way. See, he doesn't like run the marathon a bunch of years ago and get ahead of you. A few years ago, um, some of us had this brilliant idea that we were going to run a half marathon. Okay, and now at that point in time, our senior pastor, Pastor Terry, was killing it, man. He was like running all these half marathons. And so we all, you know, figured we'd get behind him and do this half marathon. And we trained and trained and trained and trained and trained, and it got half marathon day. And we were down in Orlando, and, you know, the course was long. It was kind of, it was kind of a boring course. And then we got on these cobblestones, which was really crazy. Never really could understand why they ran us on cobblestones. But anyway, you had these really like great runners, people that were runners, and they were really in shape. You know, they're like done the race, you know, like boom, they're done the race. And, and I know in their heart they were trying to be encouraging. So a lot of them went back, you know, like maybe a mile or two up the course to encourage you. Well, Tatiana and I were, were, were coming around whatever, wherever we were on this race. And some guys were like, come on, you can do it. You can do it. And by this time I was like encouraged out. I was just like, you know, just leave me alone. I don't even want to hear anything. You know, I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other. And one person said, it's just around the corner of the finish line. And I got super happy. Well, it was still ended up being about two miles away. And to be honest, I wanted to find that guy and punch him in the nose afterwards. I was like, dude, it was not just around the corner. But see, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't run the race ahead of you and come back and say, hey, go on ahead of me. I've finished. But you go ahead and do it. No, he may, he may just get right where you can see him and then reach back and say, come on, let me take your hand and walk right here through you. Let me walk right here by your side with this. And again, as we talk about this, this terminology, following Christ, I was looking in the scripture and, and couldn't find anywhere where Jesus ever said any, anything to anybody. And again, this is kind of a Wednesday night message, so uh, I'm not disparaging you know, ways we do altar calls or ways we lead people to Christ. This is just food for thought, something for you to kind of think about. But Jesus never came up to ever anybody and said, let me into your heart. It's not there. Or accept me. No, but always it was follow me. Come with me on this journey. He wants, to show, he wants us to show our love for him as we follow him. So as we do this, I mean, it's okay to use these terms. Jesus wants to come into our heart. He does. He wants to indwell in us. The Holy Spirit wants to live inside of us. The Holy Spirit wants to indwell every, every aspect of our being. But I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about some of the times that I had, had kind of witnessed to, again, people that didn't have a biblical or a church background. And when it comes down to it, and I've often got this from, 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 from like kids and youth, when you say, Jesus wants to live in your heart. Well, when you tell uh, like, like, like a six-year-old that who has no church background, they're looking at you like, 
Jesus wants to live in here. It's hard for them to grasp. And that may be hard for somebody. But when you tell people, Jesus just wants you to follow him. Come with me on the journey. See, you won't be alone. Number one, you'll be following Jesus. And number two, as your brother and sister, I'll be right there on the journey with you. So come on. It's a group thing. Come on. We're all doing it. Everybody's doing it. Come on. Let's join together and let's follow Jesus. So let's get a little personal tonight and look at how you and I might follow Christ. Have we settled into being an online follower only? Are we following somebody we really don't know? Do our social media and electronic devices backgrounds have all the right Christian themes? You know, your computer, your tablet, just all the right Christian themes because I'm an online follower and I want everything I do online to represent Christ. Are we the first one to have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to post the verse of the day because that's how I follow Jesus like that? Here's one. Do we have the Z programmed, programmed into the first button on our radio so that when our super spiritual friends get in the car with us, we can hit that button instead of like the country or the metal or the rap that we normally listen to? All right, you know, some of us have got that, that Z button put in there. Now, please hear me. All these things that I mentioned aren't bad because Christian themes on our computers keep us grounded throughout the day. It's much better to have something like that in the middle of the day when you click on your screen, something that's positive. And for some of, for some of your family and friends, getting up early and posting the verse of the day may be the only Bible they ever read. I know that's true in, 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 you know, in, in some of our family. Brent gets up and she posts the verse of the day and immediately our son who works the craziest hours as a crane driver hits like so I know that bar nothing every single day he gets a scripture verse and he reads it so I know that's sinking into him and I'll be real honest and transparent I listen to a lot of different kinds of music but I'll admit to playing the Z button like if Pesetary gets in the car with me and I got to take him somewhere boom Let's hit the Z, you know, just listening to the Z, you know, yeah. That was back before me and Pastor Terry, I, I kind of knew him a little bit better. Now I hit that, that, that you know, that XM um, Willie, Willie, Willie station, you know. Yeah, yeah, Willie's Roadhouse station, you know. So, but we do those kinds of things, right? We end up, and sometimes we spend so much time following online or doing all these things that we forget that Christ is a real person that we need to follow. Maybe we've gotten so used to being an online follower only. Maybe some of us need to really experience something, something tangible, something live to follow. Kind of like this guy in the video. Let's check this video out. There's a lot of stuff Michael follows online. Then he tried Tostito Scoops and Salsa, and he started following them in real life. No. <laughs> no. And kept following. Everywhere. Wow. Okay. Boundaries, Michael. Boundaries. Hey, Mike. What's up? Oh, <laughs> Tostitos, get together already. I love that commercial. But, you know, we probably don't need to be following food around. But the, the, the principle of that is, is very, very true. 
Maybe we need to start getting so close to Jesus and following him that every time he stops, we're running into the back of him. Every time he turns left, we're turning left. Every time he turns right, we're turning right. Every time he says, come on, we're going to go on this road, we're right there. We don't have to run and catch up. I don't have to try to catch up to him like I was in that, in, in that half marathon. We're right there with him. So sometimes, again, we get so used to just taking in all this media that we forget that Jesus is this real life friend. He is this person that we can follow live. He wants to be there with us every step of the way. So remembering what it's like to follow Jesus live. How many of you can remember before there was any kind of the only way that you really saw anything other than church or your Bible was if you turned on the TV and saw, you know, some TV preachers or something like that, right? We didn't have that instant access online. Our instant access was like this. This used to be our instant access, right? And I'm as guilty as anybody of clicking and going to see what somebody else says about a subject. Let me see what Craig Grishel says about this. Let me see what Andy Stanley says about this. Instead of getting on my knees and saying, Holy Spirit, tell me what you say about this. So Jesus expects from us, as we follow him, loyal commitment. The type of commitment that we give to our spouse. The type of commitment that we give to our children. Loyalty. He expects us to actually follow him live, to seek him above anything or anyone else. Again, to go to the scripture or to go to him in prayer when there's, when there's an issue. Instead of asking all of our friends, getting on Google and seeing what's going on with this subject or what's going on with us. And then at the last minute, when all else fails, oh, hey, God. Help me out here. Explain this to me. And he's like, well, I wanted to explain that to you about 14 hours ago when you started clicking, right? And he just says, come to me, and I'm here. Jesus also expects a changed heart. Paul tells us to shun the very appearance of evil. That means we don't get and we don't try to get and see how close we can get to that side of the road, right? We stay away from that side of the road. Um, guardrails. We all need guardrails in our life. And, and if you've ever really seen a, a guardrail, especially on like a mountain road, it's not like right on the edge. There's room on the other side of the guardrail. And so the guardrail keeps you way back from the edge. So we need those guardrails. He expects that changed heart. I was reading this week, and I'm reading a book by John Ortberg, and in it, he was writing that, that when we truly fall in love with Jesus, all those things that we think are hard or that we didn't want to do, we actually begin to want to do. We want to spend time with him. We, we want to stop. It's not that we, we're, oh, you know, I, I, I know sin's wrong up here. But when we fall in love with Jesus, it's like, I don't even want to do those things anymore because they don't bring me the same pleasure anymore. They don't speak into my life anymore. What speaks into my life is that relationship with Jesus. Now, it's not all just roses and candlelight and moonlight all the time either. Jesus expects us to count the cost. 
That's a term that we read in the Bible, which basically means that he expects us not to be ashamed of the gospel. Not to be ashamed of the gospel. For many of us, that comes in many, many different forms. Uh, Speaking of prayer, I want to encourage all of you to begin to teach yourself, if you haven't already, to pray out loud. Okay, so many times, you know, when someone begins to pray out loud, it sounds really weird to them. Like, like, okay, for all of you that are really younger, do you remember cassette tapes for all of you that weren't? And you could, you could talk on a cassette tape. You remember the first time you heard your voice on cassette? You were like, who is that person? That's not me because that's not how my voice sounds to me. Kind of the same way when we pray out loud, you know, if we're not really comfortable praying out loud. And the reason that, that, that I, you know, encourage you to do that is because you could be at any point in time out in public and run into somebody. Maybe it's a friend or maybe it's a stranger and you start talking and what do we do? It's normal for us and it's very good for us to say, oh, okay, you've told me about all that. I'll pray for you. Now, that's great. But be honest, how many of us go home and forget? I do. Okay, I go home and forget It's because I got so much else going on. So what I've started to do, hey, let's pray right here, right now. That could be a Walmart. It could be in a park. It could be anywhere. So to do that, to become comfortable with praying out loud is something, you know, it, it goes back to counting the cost, not being ashamed of the gospel. I remember um, as a young boy, the first time that I was ashamed of the gospel. I I can remember like it was yesterday. I was um, 13 years old and saved, baptized with the Holy Spirit, serving God in the church. And we had this singing group come, come to the church. And it had been a singing group that my, um, my father had relationship with. They stayed at our house from time to time. I knew them very well. Um, I was 13. There were two, like, 22-year-old girls that walked on water. You know, they were, like, gorgeous. I loved them, you know, all, all that. But they were really great. And they sold merchandise, okay? And so they sold these little Christian patches. And, um, you know, I took some of my allowance to church Sunday night, and I bought some of these Christian patches. And that, that, that next day, I asked my mom to sew them on my junior football letterman's jacket for me. I was going to wear these. Went to the local high school football game that Saturday. Wore my jacket. All my buddies sat around me. I unzipped that jacket, and I folded it back over those patches because I was afraid that they would make fun of me. I can see that like it was yesterday. And now, as I remember it, I, I, I don't feel... The, the shame and the guilt. God has healed me of that. But I use it as a reminder in my life that I am not to be ashamed of the gospel. Jesus was not ashamed to, to welcome me back into the fold when I strayed and ran so far away from him. So I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. Jesus expects us to prioritize him. His person, work, and plans over all other people and personal agendas. This one's a little difficult sometimes, right? I mean, we want to follow Jesus. We want to be his witnesses, right? I mean, I do. I want to be his witness. But sometimes I want to do what I want to do, right? 
I mean, there's probably some of you sitting out here tonight, and thank God for, for you coming, but some of you sitting out here probably were struggling. You know, I don't feel like going to church tonight. I worked hard today. You know, I don't want to go to church. But you came because he is a priority to you. And getting together in community with your brothers and sisters was a priority for you tonight. So he expects us to prioritize him. He expects us to prioritize spending time with him. And again, as I'm reading this John Ortberg book, he's talking about beginning, or for some of us, beginning again or beginning again, or beginning again, that lifestyle of devotional time with him. And um, what I liked about what John Ortberg said was this. He's like, daily, regular devotional time with Christ is so important. But for most of us, and this is something that I've used over the years, especially with youth, is is this. You know, we we catch this on fire, ball of fire from the Holy Spirit, and we're going to get up every day a half hour or an hour early and spend time with God. And for the first day, we do it, and we feel great. The second morning, we do it, and we feel great. The third morning, life happens, and we don't do it. And then it's three or four more mornings, and then we feel like we failed. And we just stopped doing it. So what John Orberg was saying was kind of cool because, again, this is something that I've used with kids is start small. Number one, set a really good goal for yourself. Two or three times a week is what I always would tell people. But now I'm going to use this, what, what, what I found in this book. Start with five minutes a day. If you don't have a regular devotional life now, start with five minutes a day. We can all do five minutes. And, and, and for a lot of us, you're saying, every time I close my eyes and I begin to pray, my mind just goes and wanders. And I heard Pastor Terry say this. I don't know if it was at a Saturday morning prayer or on a Sunday morning two or three years ago. And then I reread it in this book again, was that if your mind is wandering to something, it must be important enough for you to take that to the Lord in prayer. So wherever your mind goes, you know, I'm getting ready to pray. Oh, man, I got to pick the kids up at at, at 9 o'clock, and I got to take them over here. Awesome. Give that to God. Pray about that, that your time with the kids will be great. Don't, Don't say, oh, my mind's wandering now. I can't pray. I don't know what to do. Use that. Use that. Give those things to God because if they're rolling through your mind, they must be important enough for you to give to God. So we want to prioritize our time with him. I've said this before from here, and let me remind you, for any of you that haven't heard it, a really great nine-minute teaching is um, Google, just Coffee with God. It's on YouTube by Bill Hybels, okay? And it's this really great nine-minute teaching, and it just talks about having a dedicated time and place every morning to meet with God or every evening or every afternoon, whatever works best for you. But it encourages you to do this on a regular basis. Again, that's coffee with God. You only have to remember Bill Hybels, just coffee with God. The last thing that, that Jesus expects us to do is um, comes from that Matthew 4.19 where it says, take up your cross. This one gets a little harder. Take up your cross. What does that mean? The, 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 the vision that that invokes for me is, is Christ carrying his cross to his crucifixion. He was beat up. He had been whipped. His body was ripped to shreds already. And he's carrying this cross. 
And this was just for him to do because that wasn't the norm for all of the, all of the criminals at that point in time. And he takes up his cross for us. He carries that cross for you and for me. Bible tells us the weight of that cross and the way his body was beaten was so hard. And remember, okay, Papa, didn't, Papa Joseph didn't raise no punk, all right? Jesus was a man's man. He worked for a living, all right? All you that are working outside now, man, I, I got nothing but mad respect for you, all right? All right, my buddy Elias down there in final touch inside that paint booth. He said he gets 110, 115 in that paint booth, but he's got to do it. It's the way he feeds his family. That's what I envision for Christ. He's out from, from when I think about Jesus carrying that cross. He did that for us. He was a man's man, but he fell under the weight of that cross to the point where they pulled somebody out of the crowd to help pick that cross up. See, that's the, the picture that we have uh, for us today. We have to pick up our cross and follow him. Now, for each and every one of us, our cross might be a little bit different. For some of you right now, your cross is a major illness that you're going through. Jesus says, it's okay. I'm right here with you. When that cross gets too heavy, I'll pick it up and I'll carry it with you. I'll carry it for you. For some of us, that cross is children or grandchildren that we know are not where they need to be with God. And for some of us, it's at 2 a.m. in the morning when we wake up in the morning and, 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 and the enemy just starts flooding us with thoughts of, man, you, you're a failure. You're a failure. Your kids don't even serve God. You got no right to be up on that platform. Your own children don't even, aren't even where they should be with God. Or, or you got no right telling your coworkers about Jesus. And Jesus says to us right now, you know, tell the devil to flee from you. Tell him to get away, get behind me. Let me pick up that cross. Give me those kids. I got them. So whatever your cross is, he wants us to do that. He wants us to pick it up. See, there's work ethic involved. We can't earn our salvation. But once we're saved, we got to go to work. We can't just sit back and say, all right, I'm saved. I don't have to do anything till you know, Jesus comes back or I die. No, there's a work ethic involved in the Christian lifestyle. Now, that work ethic doesn't continue to earn you brownie points with him. That work ethic is to bring others to Christ. That work ethic is to show your life approved so that other people see the Christ in us. So taking up our cross involves the choice. It's still free will. It involves the choice to surrender our possessions, our dreams, our fondest hope, our most precious earthly loves. Like I said, for some of us, that's our kids, right? We got to give them back to God. We can't keep holding on to that. We speak into their life. We love them, but we got to give them back. And, and, and the cross may be whatever we have to give up, carry for the advancement of God's purposes and glory. It involves following in the footsteps of our Savior. Jesus expects us to bring in people instead of fish. As we follow in his footsteps, again, the picture that I get in my mind is this. I, I, I get that, that, that dusty road to Golgotha. Maybe it had rain. Maybe it was muddy. Maybe it was just flat dusty. As I'm following Christ's footsteps, and sometimes I actually got to visualize this. I got the cross, and I'm just trying to 
Remember when your kids were little and you'd walk in the beach or you'd walk somewhere and they'd try to put their footsteps in your footsteps and keep up? That's what I envision when I'm following Christ. Because he's my inspiration. And, 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 and he's the strongest man in my mind to ever walk the earth. Forget all the Mr. Americas and Mr. Universes. Christ was the strongest man to ever walk the earth, carrying that cross all beat up. And I see myself and I'm saying, if I can just put my foot, one more footstep of his, I'm one footstep closer to that journey that he's got me on. And when I'm beat down, I'm saying, okay, God, just one more footstep. And I don't know which way to go, left or right, because maybe he turned a little bit. But I see that footstep, and I see him where he carried that cross. So I put my foot in there, and I just keep going with him. And then when it gets too tough, like we've all seen the footprints, right, the little footprints thing. Jesus, where were you? I'm walking in your footsteps, and now there's only one set. He's like, duh, I carried you. Come on. And, and, and so that's what I see. I see him taking that cross off of me and maybe even picking me up. Tatiana and I did this, this, this event. It was a go ruck event, and it's a quasi kind of military um, forced march with PT involved in everything. And um, there, 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 there's times, you know, you got so much weight in your backpack and then throughout the, throughout the march or throughout the thing, there's a series of sandbags, 40, 60, 80 pound sandbags that have to be moved and everybody takes turns. And it's a, it's a, it's a group thing and, and, and you're doing community. And, and I remember that um, this was a time that I had been, I'd been kind of a, a little sick for a little while and I had lost a lot of weight. I was down to like 167 and I wasn't really feeling, I hadn't, I hadn't, wasn't really feeling a lot of strength and a lot of energy. And um, we were getting down towards, like, it was like a six-hour thing. We were, like, on hour four, four and a half. And I had my pack on, and I had this sandbag on. And I really just kind of felt myself almost buckling. And the next thing I know, some guys that I don't even know, I, I, you know, I quick met everybody, but I don't know who these guys were. felt one just snatched this sandbag off of me, and another one just unstrapped my backpack. said, come on, man, we got you. Come on, keep going, one foot in front of the other. So I did that for a little while till I kind of caught my breath. And then I found somebody else that looked like they needed it. And I just went up and snatched the sandbag off of them. And I think that's what we do for each other as we follow Jesus. He's taking us and he's helping us. He'll take, he'll take the cross off of us. But sometimes we got to do that for each other also. We got to come together in, in life groups. We got to come together and, and we got to see where our brother or sister is buckling. Man, we got to go up and just snatch that sandbag off of them, snatch that pack off of them, lift them up and say, come on, I got you. I got you. It's going to be all right. I don't know how, but see that? See those footsteps up there? I'm going to walk those footsteps with you. I'm going to carry this pack for you for a while, and I'm going to walk, and you put your footsteps with mine, and we're going to do this thing together. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.